season two. Let us in. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. Welcome to the Happy Little Screams podcast, season two. Okay, so today on Happy Little Screams, we're doing a very special episode. We're going to be talking about the uh, phenomenon that is Candyman in remembrance of a very good friend of ours who we were supposed to do a podcast on this movie with him. Uh, we, we miss him a lot and uh, hope he can listen to this where he is right now. Candyman. So Candyman. Yep. I'm going to get you to say it at least three more times so we'll both be in debt. No, no, no. I'm looking at a reflective surface. I'm not saying it anymore. (laughs) It's good. It's it's a mimetic structural part of our society because almost everybody knows the name. They don't have to know everything about them, but they know the name. And summoning, sometimes that's all you need. That's true. That's true. So for anybody out there who doesn't know what Candyman is, first of all, why the fuck have you been living under a rock? (laughs) Uh, And second of all, Candyman is, when when just on its surface, is about a uh, Bloody Mary type meme of a killer that when you look into a mirror and you say the name five times, the candy man's supposed to appear behind you and it's supposed to kill you and everybody in the room. So um, I had not actually seen either one of these. Um, I know that I had requested that you watch the new one. I had never seen the first one. Uh, I watched both of them back to back. I watched the new one and then watched the original. But um, before I get into that, uh, you were before we start in the podcast, you were mentioning that you you had a story about the uh, I, the candy man. I would like to just say one thing, and that is that this traces back to Clive Barker. Yes, Clive Barker wrote the story, The Forbidden. The Forbidden yep. was set in the slums of Britain. Oh, it was a very British story, and the core of the story is that you can live forever and be a legend if they never stop saying your name okay and so it's a fear virus sort of thing that perpetuates itself by making people remember it and so that's how Candyman survives when he went to make the movie they went to clive barker and said how do you want to film this and he said well we have to, the companies you know the networks are like we have to do it in america this was an american film company so come do it in america uh-huh. and he's like well if i do it in america not britain i'm going to tell the proper story that would fit this because there's one place in america that this story still would take place and that is where they set the first movie so he made the change and from that change we then imparted all of your story Okay, so this one actually has a little bit of a life thing on it. <clears throat> and I remember probably about, I had to have been between nine and 10. I remember watching it on giant, ugly, huge TV. And then a few months later, seeing a Spike Jones interview on, it had to have been ABC because he was angry about how this had been done. He felt it represented oh. black culture horribly. Spike Jones? Yeah. Um. And he wanted Spike to Lee. Re- you mean Spike yes. Lee? Okay. Thank you. Spike, oh Spike God, Jones. I hate that guy. Yeah, but he was just <laughs> Spike angry. Lee needs to get off his soapbox and get a life. I just think it was really interesting. And I remember thinking okay. about that and going, huh, well, that's interesting. And then now with the Black Lives Matter movement, I saw a lot of that influence coming into play with the new man. How the perpetuation of negative black culture being imprinted throughout the generations from both white people and black people. We're always seeming to do harm to one another. And I thought that was a very strong statement and trend throughout the entire movie. And I, yeah, I, I felt, I, I felt in the, in the, in the original, um, I definitely saw that in the original. There was a there was a huge theme 
about um, uh, the white versus black and uh, how uh, governmental agencies and everything want to push down the lower income and the fact that in those ones, it was always the the color that were the lower income and everything like that. I didn't really feel that with the with the second one though, because you have you all your characters in the second one are colored, um, and uh, because I'm not really sure what the gay guy was. I know that the main character was black, and I know the girlfriend was black, but I'm not sure about the gay guy. Um, but they were all very influential, and they were all very wealthy. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, it almost flipped it on its. Uh, flipped it on its shoulder here because really the people who almost all the people who died in the second one um were all white i think and that is why i thought it was really really neat to see that influx and reverse and but i thought that was a very cool dichotomy where it was a statement going this is a mirror image and how the mirror image to begin with in the very beginning when you start the film all the credits in the beginning are mirrored and mm-hmm. reversed i saw that and that yeah. i i did not i couldn't at first i thought maybe i had bought like a messed up version because i bought it through amazon um but then when it got through like i didn't understand that and if that's the reason that that does make sense you know what that implies to me too is that you as the viewer are on the other side of the mirror Mm -hmm. and that yeah and that's actually is reversed yeah that that's actually what i thought i thought it was more along the fact of playing on the idea that you have to be looking into the mirror so it's it's like looking into another universe that's what i thought it was i didn't even think about the idea of the culture the cultural uh effects of the film being reversed in it i didn't think about that something i would like to comment on this uh is that the first film is about the sins of the past and it's it's like all the story elements that take place in the first film talk about what happened to Candyman back in the day but mm-hmm. this movie moves on to the sins of the present and how things are still bad in certain places. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, I, I didn't. Okay. So I guess I, I didn't want to get into this until later. Um, I didn't like the second film. I liked the first one. I felt like the first one had a legitimate uh, message to be said, which films don't need to have messages, especially if it's a horror film. There does not need to be a message. Sometimes One of my favorite films right now is The Midnight Man. There is no message to that, but that movie scared the shit out of me. And I, I literally did not sleep for a week. It was well done and I loved it. The first Candyman, I watched that after watching the new one, which I, I actually thought the new one was a remake. I didn't realize it was a continuation in the series until I saw the first one. When I watched the first one, I felt like there were a lot of underlying themes in there. There was a lot about the white on black violence and the slums and how um, there is a stigma put to people of color and that it, it wasn't fair that the people in it were not um, uh, they, they didn't symbolize what the stigma that was given to them uh, was. Even the gangbangers, uh, except for the one who pretended to be the candy man, even the gangbangers didn't represent what we consider gangbangers. But then you see how the cops, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I was legitimately on the edge of my seat and I was worried and there was tension and it felt like the story was there for a purpose. The new one, I had a lot of hope for, A, because I thought it was a remake, which it wasn't. It was just a continuation. And it was written by Jordan Peele. Like, Jordan Peele should have a much better film. Because I didn't feel like there was a lot of, I didn't feel like there was a lot said in the new one compared to what was said in the original one. And Jordan Peele, especially with uh, Get Out and um, uh, us like he says a lot in his films and he didn't say a lot in this and I also felt like this one was more of a more of a gore slaughter fest than the original because there wasn't a reason for any of them that got killed whereas in the original one everybody who got killed there was a reason for it a lot of times it was was their fault I noticed a lot of in this movie there was their fault too but 
It's like horror movies. You want the characters to be but, kind of tied to their bad decisions leading to them to bad places. And, but in the new one, it wasn't like, okay. So you have, you have uh, the, the only one in the new one that I thought was their fault was sorry. Two of them, the, uh, the artists who were assholes to them. Yeah. So them. Okay. Uh, oh, the girls too, when they're in the bathroom and they, they say it on the wall, I guess oh, them dumb. as well, but there's, there's, what about the, uh, what about the uh, art critic who wanted to uh, enhance the career of the black yeah, when she was looking at his art piece she just dissed the fuck out of him yeah. at, at, at the beginning but then she wanted she wanted uh, him nah, to create more nah. she, she already dug her grave the moment she talked shit was when she dug her grave regardless of if she yeah. trying to turn the other cheek well i mean that's that's what the I movie disagree did, with, but i disagree with that i don't think that's a good reason for her to die there good and reason not only that, we're talking about Candyman. does he need a good reason yeah. But but there's all but there's also the fact that all these other people died after they made that bad decision, and this was days removed. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't say the Candyman words, and neither did he at that point. I I would like to just focus on the villain for a moment because in this new version, Tony Todd, the new the new villain in this is is a black man who is traumatized by what happened to him when he was young. And creates a monster. He Frankenstein's this guy into a new Candyman, so he can wreak revenge on the system. And he does that to like create, you know, it's it's like black males creating monsters out of other black males. And it's like all the other characters were happy. They had a nice life. They were, you know, very wealthy. They had everything going for them. And then this guy comes in. He's like, no, you got to be angry. I'm an old man shaking my fist and builds a monster to go on a murder spree. And it's kind of like Jordan Peele's message coming across is something like we could be successful and happy and living the Tyler Perry life. But instead, we create monsters because we want to hold on to the trauma of the past instead of moving on. Ooh, okay. I was gonna argue with you, but you basically just—I think you, you dug down. the meaning out of that movie. I think you just dug the meaning out for me. Because that's, that's that's a very good point. I did not see that. Everything about the villain, everything about the villain in the film. You watch everything he does and all his sequence of events, and it's like he's he's the bad guy, and he doesn't seem like he's a bad guy until that point when you realize he's doing all this to make a new Candyman. Uh, anyway, what were you saying? No, that was exactly it all the way through, and that's really what I was seeing and hearing the entire time, and you just translated everything that I was seeing mm. into words. That's what Thank I do. You. I translate. I have a, a TJ2 words translator. <laughs> I heard that that's going to be coming out this year <laughs> soon. Yeah, I hope I get those royalties. I need them badly. We need a new house. <laughs> I like to take credit when it's not due, so you're great. I liked it overall. Cinematography, the shot, like a lot of the shots were really well put together. There's a lot of bit that really appealed to me in many, many ways. There are some dumb characters with some lines that are questionable. And I don't know about the whole, you know, civil rights sort of human rights aspect of it in the end i was happy and i had a good time sometimes it was just fun to watch people go splat that's true (laughs) i mean some of the some of the death scenes were great like especially the film or not the film the art critic uh one that i have oh that was like her walking and then being slammed against the window and being dragged along by a like that was really cool that was actually Another thing that I did not like about the new Candyman that I loved about the original. Oh, yeah? Candyman in the original was a presence on screen. It was a presence in the visuals, and it was a very defined presence. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the new one, he was very barely even there. You could say it was like he was only a reflection of his former self. (laughs) (laughs) like it was it was neat i did like the way he kind of like if you really looked he like after somebody said it you would see him in the reflection like you'd see him like poke his head out of the corner in the mirror and so on and so forth i thought that was cool a little bit too much freddy krueger like whereas i feel like Candyman's supposed to be more serious 
but almost every one of the kills it was done without anybody there whereas i mean the first time we see Candyman as Candyman, you know he's an imposing uh visage at oh, yeah. the end of the car lot when he's like speaking in that voice like that to me really drew the original together that that booming tony todd um like uh, un, un unembodied like demonic feeling of we, it. we were just and talking we about none the, of that. Uh, the crow which also has tony todd in it does it yeah tony todd plays the right hand to the the bad guy in the crow no shit he's so young no he's sexy he's my favorite i love tony todd he's great yeah, I, I don't know if I told you this. I did a movie called Scream at the Devil with Tony Todd. Oh, wow. It was one of the first movies I did out here. It was like a 15, 16-day shoot. I didn't know you detective. were in a movie. Uh, he, was a, he was a pretty cool dude. I like him. I didn't know you were in a movie. <laughs> Can you even pick what? that up? Yeah, what? I, I didn't. But my, how about us, Nishan? Oh, sorry. My daughter just exclaimed, she I did not know you were in the movie. Goes and say it. I didn't here. even know you were in a movie. I wasn't in a movie. No, he makes movies. That's why we talk every weekend, because we love movies and making them. And we have yeah. fun yeah. making movies. Yeah, Scream Scream at the Devil, I was doing DIT work on. Huh. I was not in that movie. That's how he made his movie. money. Was he did like what I do. I don't I'm in television, but I'm not actually in television. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, what was I saying? Um, Freddy Krueger's reflection of himself. Uh, I think I may have lost it. Um, I've lost it long ago, but I keep going. Oh, oh, oh no, no, I remember. Okay. So you have you have tony todd who when he appears in the original one he he does all the actual murders in the original one i think the only time the the killing happens off screen is when he kills the uh the, the therapist but then he appears behind him and he interacts with the girl who we almost think is going crazy like throughout the throughout the movie there's there's a part of you that's led to believe that she's the one committing all these murders and they do it in such a way that you almost believe that Candyman might be inside her, forcing her to do this. I never felt that way with this with this new one. Like the the you you see him leave the room, and then they, then the murders happen, yeah. or it happens somewhere yeah. else. And but you never see the actual creature that does it. Like I, I feel like this is one of those situations where you want to see the villain. See, because the, the villain is the movie. They they missed the ambiguity of the first film. Well, no, I think it's I think it's the reverse though, because you see the Candyman throughout the. Oh, you mean the ambiguity of whether or not the yeah, yeah, because in the first that. film it's like it could be her, she could be crazy, it could be a ghost. You're never quite sure. Even when she dies at the end, you're like you're not sure what's like in her head or what's spiritual. And then the second movie, it's like no, there's obviously this guy running around in mirrors just murdering people. Yeah, yeah, because you. I mean, they they try. They really do try to make you think that he's doing it, especially at the end when um, you see that he's being turned into the Candyman and he eventually becomes the Candyman. You almost think that, you know, maybe they're trying to make me believe this, but there's nothing in the movie that makes you think that because all these murders also happen when he's not, when when he has an alibi. You know, she wakes up and the dog's dead. We have no idea what happened during that time. There's none of this oh, I was at my friend's house having wine and all of a sudden, you know, I see this dog getting killed and then I finish my wine and I leave the house and then I wake up on the floor. Like, it it, it just, it was a much better put together movie, I think. Fair enough. I can see that one. I can see that one. Yeah. I also did not realize that they had made like five of these. Oh, they, Did you know that? that there's like five candy Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, have seen, I have seen all the way through three and this one. Are, are they any good? No. No. <laughs> no. So no. So it's not so it's not like uh Friday the thirteenth or anything like that where the story actually progresses through them. It, just, it the problem is is leprechaun issues. <laughs> like at least some of the Friday the thirteenths got into theaters. Can you see my All of these were just 
really direct video bad films. Oh, However, no. okay. that said, that said, uh, there is, I don't know, just some sort of like quaintness to the whole thing where in this new film, the villain says to the screen, like, oh, you thought there was one Candyman. We have a franchise. This Candyman, this Candyman, all these fictional Candymans across history. And we can keep pumping these films out every year. There could be new Candymans. Technically, didn't they say that in the original, though? No, in the original, he's just like, I'm me. I'm Candyman. Here's my tragic past. And keep saying my name and I'll keep coming back. In this film, they're like, oh, no, any kind can become a Candyman. Oh, interesting. I did not, I didn't catch that. It's because they call him a hive mind. Remember that? They were like, oh, it's a hive. And they're all serving the candy man. When he was pointing at all the different candy mans. Because of the energy stain of the original murder from when the original painter was murdered on the grounds of where that city exists. I'm horrible with names. It's like you know, they have a McDonald's on every corner and a Starbucks on every other corner. Or, sorry, yeah, two I Starbucks did. on every corner. I, I did catch that, and I thought also, um, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, TJ, uh, because I, I I found it very interesting in the original <clears throat> that the original sin was that a black man fell in love with a white woman, mm-hmm. and I love that his whole reason for coming back and doing the killings at this time is because he found his love because he said it was always Helen and she sees the image of the white woman that the black man had fallen in love with. And it looks just like her. So it's like, it's all coming back around so that the story can be told again, like you were saying before. So the hive mind continues to think about him. And the more they think about him, the more he can come back. And if she reincarnates and he finds her when she reincarnates, he pulls her back to him. I, I also... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And then when you think about the idea of uh, the bad guy, he refers to it as a stain. He's a laundry person, which has its own symbology there. Ooh, yes. He refers to it as a stain on fabric that keeps recurring in the same spot over and over and over. Like there's a wound underneath the clothing in the heart of America? Mm Mm-hmm. And it keeps happening. And I keep coming back to that mentally as very powerful, both metaphorically and physically. Both, if you've ever tried to get blood or mud out of white or light colored clothing, it is a pain. And that comes back to me. I keep thinking of, well, I just cut my finger this morning while I was cleaning the bathtub. And I realized I am wearing a light colored shirt. It is going to stain. We've all been there. And I think that's going to have its impact. Now this movie has its own impact. It's energy, residual energy. And how for multiple generations we have viewed white and black relationships as negative the children of these white and black relationships as negative and while that is heartbreaking immoral and unethical it is a detriment to society to think about any such things as negative and heart-wrenching he considered himself a laundryman what was he washing and how much of that is a uh, statement on who we are as a society and what we are washing out. Well, here's, here's the question I have for you mm-hmm. because that, that would, what everything you just said makes sense for Candyman, mm-hmm. but the character that was the laundryman wasn't the Candyman. He was the guy who tried to bring the Candyman back. Mm-hmm. Like for me, based on what you just said, it almost seemed like the injustice that created Candyman mm-hmm had disappeared and the 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 laundryman was trying to bring that back because he he missed his stain i don't know yes i think he would do crazy some people just go crazy well he he definitely he definitely was traumatized because he's the boy at the beginning that 
sees him and watches the white cops kill this innocent uh, man who just happens to have a hook for him, which is really fucking weird considering he had a hook and was dressed like the Candyman, which we establish later is the same mythological creature that's kept going on and on. So why was this guy hiding in a wall dressed like the Candyman that murders a whole bunch of people handing out candy to kids? Coincidence. Uh, See, that's the thing. Is it? It was just coincidence. He just happened to be there. He just happened to also have a disability with a, a hand hook, and this also happened to like to give out candy, which was creepy. And I don't know why that guy was doing it. That guy was, don't do that. Don't hand out random candy to kids and then smile like that. Nobody wants that. Not even the that kids. Like kids will not go hey, near that. Do they? Do they ever? Because uh, you've seen more of them than I have. Do they ever find out who was the one putting the razor blades in the candy? Is that ever addressed? That's I don't even remember that being in the first movie. That's in the first movie, and that's in the second movie. Because the reason they go and they kill that guy is because they think he's the one who's been handing out the candy with the razor blades. And then after they kill him, it's like two weeks later, there's like 75 more kids got razor blades in their candy. And then he picks up the candy in uh, the second one. And when he picks it up, he cuts himself on the razor blade. Maybe and he mentions it. Also. Maybe I think we're going in the wrong direction. First of all, these are black people. Black people predominantly were into church. Church has God, but opposite of God is the devil. The devil was putting those razors in the candy. See the sound line of logic. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so. Well, there's there's definitely nothing good or righteous about running around murdering people with a hook hand. Uh, so I don't think it's that territory. <laughs> <laughs> which that that's another thing that um kind of bothered me now that i think about it like they for for the original one they were trying to show what people thought black culture was in the 70s and in the 70s yeah there were there was gang banging and all that other bullshit um the predominant thing was that black people were poor and all that stuff but they were also very church um uh, a lot of their life revolved around church mm. even in the poor places even the gangsters and everything like that they they do have a very strong community that revolves around church okay. and okay. in the new one he goes to that church that he said he was baptized in and everything like that so they bring the church into the new one but I don't remember them even talking about the church no. in the original one. No, the I, I'm just putting that in because when, when you're dealing with black culture, there's an underlining part of the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. I can't pronounce words today. It's the underlying layer of the zeitgeist is always present down there because if you're if you're black and you're in a poor neighborhood. And you're, you don't directly go to church. Your mom goes to church or her mom goes to church or your uncles because they're, they're also, you're also family oriented. When you're in a situation where there's few resources, the only resource you will always have is family. And that's why you have the Vin Diesel movies with Fast and Furious <laughs> is because family is the bonding strength that keeps the community together. That's why gangs are basically giant families. They just are kind of jerk families. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and so you have that down there in the family network. M what brings families together a lot of times is church, because that's where everybody goes to on the weekend to catch up on what they didn't get to talk about during the week. So that's always going to be in the hind brain of, of any scene that deals with with black culture. You're like, oh, I know relatives or, or like live at church. And that sets some morality base. You don't have to actively talk about the church, though, because it's kind of just assumed. It's it's there in the background. I guess that's fair. I'd like to go back and... Not really. Um, yes, no-ish. It depends upon who you're talking to and who you know. It's It comes down to the individual just as much as any other true. human being. But we're talking so no, that, that's true. But we're talking we're talking not about uh, reality. We're talking about the projected image of what people think. Mm. 
Like, Candyman does not revolve any religious themes. Let's start there. <laughs> it does not involve religious well, that's, themes. That's actually what I'm wondering, because since they bring up the church in the second one, I'm wondering if there's anything in the background to show the uh, if characters are or are not religious. Right. Because they may not have said it specifically. It. I'm sure we could always go through and find those religious imageries. Hello, Freya. Oh, cat just okay, dropped in my oh, way. Sorry. That's a normal um, occurrence. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's always there. There's always assumed religious iconography. Yeah, churches. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm 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 wondering mainly for the reason that they're using a lot of stereotypes in the original one, and that's a very common stereotype. So I I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't use it because I think they bring it up in the new one with the brother that the sister is not religious but he is oh. or something like that which that's another thing that i did not like about the new one it it felt like there were characters in there that were different races or cultures because they wanted to hit that race or that culture there were characters that i thought were not necessary or that they were purposely cast in that direction just in order to wow. say hey look, that's, I'm that's the hollywood machine you got a quota now you got to fill a certain checklist for it to be put to market because they're like oh our market studies show that if you don't put this as this then the movie's going to make half the money yeah it's a system yeah. it's hollywood which which i have my new favorite uh example of why you don't need to do that yeah star trek yeah. discovery oh yeah star trek discovery has a black female lead that could legitimately be played by anybody. You could have an Asian, you could have a homosexual white furry in the position. I know a lot of those. That character would work perfectly. And I think that's the way you need to do it. I don't feel like the character was put there Mm. just because she's black and because she's a female. It's it's because of the, the ability of the actress yes you know the, you, the you actor could, is the perfect you, actor for the role you could take 10 black actresses and one of them's right for the role and the others aren't which again yeah, it goes yeah. to for me the diversity thing is the people who are able to do the function and are best at it is is who should be picked for functions if you're doing a yeah. job if you're acting you're making music you like there's a lot of art that you look at like comics and stuff where you read and you're like this is fantastic and you find out the person who made it Looks nothing like you imagined. I know a person would making this thing. Yeah, yeah. It's about the, the, thing, the, the end result. Yeah. The other question I have, though, the original Candyman was supposed to be a very, um, and I could be wrong about this. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know where I was going to go with this um, because I was I was just thinking about the fact that in the original Candyman, you had a white woman who was uh, considered crazy and she was going into the black neighborhood and everything like that. And it turns out that uh, everybody thought she was the bad person, but she wasn't the bad person. She was actually trying to save and everything like that. I didn't feel like there was a lot of that in the, in the new one. And I don't know if all the other ones follow that theme or not. I think the rest of them either devolve into either generic slasher horrors and also just pushes really hard on the 1800s angle because i think the third one's the prequel that shows him actually getting killed or something like oh. that yeah it's so it's pride it's, and prejudice with a guy with a hook yeah it's pride and prejudice and oh now i'm an axe murderer <laughs> oh, sorry hook murder hook murderer yeah. hook murderer but you know if i were to be if i were to have a hook for a hand i certainly wouldn't kill with it because it would make sure that i would be prime subject number one or prime suspect i would definitely find down one an alternative weapon i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> with with the, with the ways that he killed people do you think that that's actually possible with that hook because they said that he would he would cut them from uh from groin to neck or groin to gullet you have to like, be able to hooks aren't sharp. Well, you have to be able to have a humongous amount of upper body strength. Like I can, nah. I'm, I've got an extra fluffy one. What are you two talking about? But you got bee magic. Yeah, but I have to. I'm sitting here thinking, I have to push myself up like this, and so that means he's got to be able to use these muscles here 
pectoral muscles, ah, muscles. Be magic. Okay, and then so that means he, these muscles here, all in one hand. That's a lot of strength. No, it's just a lot of be magic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what is be magic? I don't know what be magic. He is. died, and then he comes back with his be magic. He just—he's filled with bees. That's his magic. Oh, bee magic. Yeah. <laughs> He's filled with, he's got all these bees crawling on him, and then like he can do stuff that's superhuman. He's like a vampire or a ghost or something. He can tear, he can tear a man apart just because he's got bee magic. He's that shit bee. needs to be sharp if he's cutting you from groin to gullet. Mm. Those things can be exceptionally mm. sharp. My dad, oddly enough, knew a person who had been to have lost his hand in a factory accident when he was about 15. And they can't, he took a steak and went, okay. Grill it, grill it, grill it. He stabbed his steak with it and grilled using his hook hand. It was the most oh shit. Yeah, huh? it was the most disturbing but coolest thing you've ever seen. Was, was he like, was he drinking a beer with the other hand? Yes. That's what I, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Did he have a parrot? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> and did he have a peg leg? No, but his name was okay, Kevin. His name There's was Kevin. Sorry time. in advance. But his name was Kevin. He's my dad's best friend for the second day of forever. And he was the coolest dude. He had mm. four parrots. And it was so four weird. parrots? Yes, one was white, one he was didn't just have a parrot, he had four parrots. He would go out there whenever he went on vacation. We called the parrot trap. <laughs> <laughs> I know Thank you for bad. coming to the show today. We had a lot so of um, <laughs> but yeah, those things can be you can literally just stab meat and junk. It's great. So but so have you seen drink. the poster for Jordan Peele's next film? No. What's his next film? It's called Nope. Look up the poster. Oh my god, am I gonna am I gonna regret this? Because no. I have I really like Jordan Peele and I feel it's a mystery. Like this, it's awesome. this movie made me made me not like him. He didn't much. this wasn't his movie though, because I think a lot of other people's hands were on it. Yeah, but he wrote it. So who edited it? Have you ever seen original scripts and then final like film production? There's a world of difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, a hundred percent, but I mean, he wrote Get Out, which was amazing. He wrote Us, which was amazing. And he wrote Candyman, and that was not amazing. I'm, I'm going to go to bat and defend this man's honor. So he can't win them all. Um, I have to. A new terror from the mind. Okay, I don't. I don't just I don't look up Jordan Peele. It. Nope. And it just like, no, no, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it. It's a, it's a, a little city with a giant cloud and what looks like a, a, a kite a string coming from it. Yeah. We, we have spent the last year, me and my coworker trying to figure out what the hell this movie is going to be. Yeah. As of right now, what I'm going to say about this movie is, Nope. <laughs> I look for I look forward to it. Everything he's done, even even him popping up on uh, Twilight Zone, which is not a very good show. Uh, still, I love Jordan Peele. So I have to ask a question in regards to his writing. Go for it. When you are writing within the limitations of previously written material. It's always going to be difficult, especially considering his slant towards the political and having to underwrite those messages. And then considering the degradation the previous movies went and then taking it from what has become essentially slasher flicks to overall a theatrical quality, not straight to video movie. I'd have to say mm-hmm. it got better. Not his best work, but considering the restraints that he had to work within, I would say not bad. What would you say? Okay, so without seeing, without having seen the other ones mm-hmm. um, and quantifying my ability to use that as a get out of jail free card, <laughs> um, this is named Candyman. This isn't Candyman. Wait, wait, wait. A Candyman in return. Are you saying a get out free card? <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah. So 
they called it Candyman. They didn't call it Candyman 5 or 6 or whatever. They didn't call it Candyman the Return or anything. So they called it Candyman. So immediately you think it's going to be a remake, which there gives you a lot of leeway. And you can look at things like when they did Halloween, when they, instead of doing Halloween 9,510, they did just Halloween. And it was a remake and it was his own take on it. And I feel like Rob Zombie did a good job at creating a new mythos around a character. Um, now, when they did the new Halloweens, uh, where they totally forgot about the retcon and all that other stuff, I think they also did a fairly decent job. I didn't like the newest one, and we've talked about why I hate it. Well, the it's the one. Empire one. It's supposed to be a bridge between the first and third. Exactly. And that's like... And I, I feel like that that type of story structure does not fit Halloween. Yeah. If you're going to do a bridge type movie you need to have something a little bit more intelligent as far as content and bridges have to be uh, their own story yes and this is a very long way of going around to say that i feel like jordan peele just took a check for this film and did not spend more than a week or a week and a half on the script because with how deep his political um feelings go with how well he is with writing terror I feel like there's none of that in this movie. If anything, I feel like maybe he did a, maybe he did a, a plot line, handed it to some other guy and was like, here, write this for me and we'll split the check because this does not feel like a Jordan Peele movie. And you can feel Jordan Peele even in the movies that he didn't direct. So that's what I would, that's what I would say about this. I, I, I wish it was a Jordan Peele movie, but it definitely does not feel like that. It's Jordan Peele waved his fingers and went, eh, okay. Yeah, because look at look at uh, look at his movie Us. Like Us is essentially a Candyman movie in a lot of ways. It's it's about uh, about, about black culture. It's about white culture. It's about um, being unseen in the world around you, and it's also about um, very strong political motivation to um get revenge which technically is a Candyman movie and that movie terrified me i mean it wasn't meant to be terrifying but it did terrify me and i i remember like afterwards being like holy shit you know i didn't really think about that and that was a completely original movie here you had a backbone where he had a character that's already like dripping in the atrocities done to black culture I mean, you start with the whole situation of a a prominent black man who is murdered because he fell in love with a white woman. You know, you, you start off with that and then you have a character that is by his own word there to protect the black culture, even though he kills more black people than he does white people in both movies, I think. Um he's there to kind of protect and to um that's actually really weird did you notice that uh-huh. he says that he says he's there to protect the downtrodden and not to kill the innocent but everybody he does kill is not really they're all pretty innocent mm-hmm. makes you wonder if you dig further into their story how innocent are they and then simultaneously i'll be honest to be fair, it doesn't matter if if in real life if they're innocent or not. It only matters with what they show us. Yeah. Because they could be, you know, pedophile um, priests murdering children dressed as chickens <laughs> on the weekends. And if that's not shown or talked about on screen when they die, they're innocent. No, I, I, I don't think you should buy into mythology because if you read the short story and then you watch the first movie, there's this definite vibe that Candyman exists entirely to self-service his own legacy, that he exists entirely to keep existing. Say my name, I will kill you, and then everybody will keep saying my name, and I will keep coming back. And the moment you stop saying his name is when he goes away all his power comes from you believing in him and i don't think he's a good guy he says he's here to protect shit but all he just does is murder people so he can keep coming back 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering, does he say that though? Because now now I'm thinking like he he mentions that um I think actually what you just said is more it. And maybe I missed that because there's a point where he says that some, uh, sometimes he'll have to spill the blood of the innocent. So maybe you're right. Maybe maybe they just didn't put that forward uh, far enough that he's there to self-service. So essentially he's Freddy Krueger. He's just there to increase the number of people who know about him so that he can exist longer and longer, which I guess is- Self-procreating. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. and again, going back to the church thing, uh, there's a lot of people in history who are like, I'm saving people, kill, kill. I'm totally saving people, kill, kill. And you're like, you're not saving people. You're just making more death and chaos. It's not helping. So there's a Christianity slant right there. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Uh, sorry, I, that was not intentionally funny or sarcastic. That was <laughs> historical fact in the Crusades. Maybe, like, maybe wow. Candyman is just a dick. It's Occam's razor right there. Or Occam's hook, yeah, I yeah. guess. Occam's hook. <laughs> <sighs> Occam's dirty hookers coming to theaters near you. Well, now that we've devolved into uh, hookers, um, you got anything else you want to say about this movie? Because I think uh, I think we've talked uh, quite a I bit I think about this, this film uh, suffers from a recent tradition, and this is a personal stance, and nobody I know shares this stance, uh, and that is that Hollywood has gotten to the point now with this and that new Matrix movie that came out and various other movies. Oh, my God. Where, and, and this is, I just want to say, this is why I am walking away from cinema. And I don't know how many more movies I'm going to get you to make me watch other than the list we already agreed to. Uh, because most movies now are a big studio saying, hey, remember this thing? Yeah, well, this movie also remembers this thing, but it's kind of different. But it really puts no effort into making it any different to the point where we actually doing like the same scenes over and over from the previous, which is kind of a nod. Give us your money because you remember this thing. And I'm sick of it. All the Marvel stuff, all the DC stuff is like, hey, we did a thing 10 years ago. We're going to do that same thing over again, but pretend it's a different thing. The nostalgia blowing oh, smoke I up your butt. It. It's nostalgia is a parasite in your brain, and you feed it because it's a, a, an addict, and you have to yep. feed its addiction or die. No, you don't. Yeah, and nostalgia is just another word for sugar. Mm. That's true. I am yeah. very much on the anti-nostalgia train. I do not give a shit about all the crap the corporations just want to dress up that previously was done. I want to see new original imaginative creative well put together movies luckily a24 has been knocking them out of the park the rest of the theaters i don't know i'm right there with you i think <laughs> that when i give you stuff to watch or listen to it's almost always something you've never heard of. that's true that's true but is it good <laughs> yeah is it? so is that's this list that we have to give is, you uh, watching that movie butter on the latch i mean fuck my life <sighs> Fuck my life. Fun. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, <clears throat> no, it's 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 pretty bad. I, I enjoyed uh, this new candy man. It's not what we wanted, and it's not probably the best it could be, but I've seen far worse and it had enough for me to follow along to the very end. That said, I am very fed up with this regurgitation of the industry. I have to sound like a complete jerk right now. What happened at the end because he's strobing to the cops? I couldn't watch the ending. So please inform me. Give me spoilers. I can't watch the ending. It kills the rest of the cops and then it turns out to be Tony Todd from the first film and okay. he turns to her and says, tell everyone. Okay. Cool. Because again, he perpetuates himself. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, I couldn't have a choice. Which, which to be fair, um, so so here's here's my thought. Uh, if they do a uh, Candyman two two, um, I will definitely watch a Candyman two two. Um, however, I think that uh, if you only have two hours to spare, go back and rewatch the original Candyman, and do not watch this new Candyman because although this looks way better because it's much better uh, cameras and all that other bullshit. The original movie is by far like 
far and beyond a better film overall. And I, I do not want to uh, give any criticism here to the director of this film because this director, I don't think, did that bad of a job. I think this director can go on and do other films and do perfectly fine. Well, actually, before you say that, let's see what this director has done. Oh, um, no. Just Open to, mouth, insert um, foot. Jesus fucking Christ. This, this is pissing me off that uh, new directors are uh doing like one or two movies and then all of a sudden doing marvel movies oh so this uh person did a short called night and day another short called little woods did two episodes of a tv series did a short called candy man did the movie candy man and now is doing the marvel tv move or the marvel movie the marvels Fuck my life. Like, how do you go from this movie to doing a Marvel movie? Because the uh, Nostalgic Addict uh, Foundation needs to feed the Nostalgic Addicts. Oh, no, 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 no. I see why. I see cool flavor. I see cool breath that lasts and lasts. No, I see why. We'll talk about that off, okay. off, off microphone. <sighs> anyway um yeah so uh go watch the original Candyman. don't watch any of this new shit um i think that's pretty much it tj uh you have any final words on Candyman? i was starting to see a trend in regards to the visuals you know how in the this one it became very very apparent in in both the elevator they only showed three quarters of the elevator and also at any given point the um three-quarter effect which is normal and it has to do with shooting but also the doorways themselves instead of looking like a normal square doorway it looked more like something frank lloyd wright would actually have built oh i see what you're saying where they where they kind of framed essentially the the way they frame the shots the architecture is bent and unreal looking also the doors themselves were um Perfect. Thank you, my child. Ignore the rest of the garbage. Are you going to draw on the little board to try to? Yes. Um, the door had that shape right here. I don't know if you can see. Kind of that. a Gumby head. Okay. It was rounded. So for people who are just listening and not watching this on the uh, the video, uh, because we don't do video. Um, it's kind of like an archway. You're yeah, you're you're trying to say like archways. Right? Yeah, in every door of the art critic's house, as in she herself was arced. She was an archetype, and she was arced. And I'm wondering, and every other person that had that type of character influence on the main character was an archetype. They had that arc factor and carried the story through and i started thinking that is an interesting visual effect Uh i honestly i didn't really notice that i am well i'm gonna say that i should go back and look at that again but i am not wasting two hours here just something i started seeing and i started pushing it through mentally going does that match up does that line up does that line up does it line up yeah it is, a, it is a neat effect that they do sometimes where um, either they will put a character very close to the edge of the screen to kind of create a um, claustrophobic feel, even though there's like a lot of room behind them, or like they'll like slightly Dutch angle a, a screen in order to let the audience know something's wrong, even though the character doesn't. So I would not put it past uh, somebody to do that. Um, what a doorway however with only being a director for a few short things and doing television i don't know if there was that much intelligence put behind that okay it's just weird to have an entire doorway instead of being squared off the entire hallway and doorway to be instead of square which is more architecturally sound generally to be three quarters arced and then one side to be flat I can tell you the honesty not. of dealing with art and film and the industry over the years, and that is the baseline comes down to sometimes people putting it together just say, oh, that show looks cool. <laughs> that's it. You're like, what if you <laughs> no, tilt it? True. Oh, that looks great. Yeah, let's just tilt it. And 
uh, and you you can speak for this working on film. Sometimes you go in with an idea, and then you find that like somebody comes up with a completely random change, and it makes the scene. Yeah. Well, for instance, I'm working on a show called All American Homecoming right now. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the original All American. Um, this is basically a spinoff to it. But I'm working with this amazing DP. He's a very, very cool guy. Uh, he's actually got his own podcast, which I will find out the name of. I actually I have it written down somewhere. Um, they talk a lot of movies. Anyway, um, so on the show, I'm a DIT. And one of the things that DITs do is we look out for exposure and we look out for, you know, flares that might, might be missed or if uh, something's slightly out of focus so on and so forth. Um, and one of the, one of the lenses that we use, we put a black magic filter in front of it. What a black magic filter does is it gives you a slight sepia tone to this screen. So it looks a little bit warmer. It looks great with darker skin tones. Um, but it will also sometimes really catch the light. And when it catches the light, you get a bloom effect. And the bloom effects make it makes it look like um, like it's kind of out of focus. It's, it's one of those shots where like if you're looking at my face like right now, if there was a light right here and then like this part of my face, like this half of my face was like slightly out of focus or slightly overexposed, but then this part of my face felt fine. So when I first started, I was like, hey, guys, we're having an issue with this. We need to flag this off or something like that. And they, they would go and they try to flag this off. And then DP come back and be like, we don't have time for that. Don't worry about it. I'm like, but, but this doesn't match the other shot. He's like, don't worry about it. So we haven't worried about it. So our motto has become embrace the dirt. Huh. So if it's dirty like that, we just let it go. And it's become the look of the show. Not because that was something that was discussed. It was a time constraint thing. And then now the show itself has a lot of this and it's become the look of the show. Wow. So to what you were saying, sometimes things like that happen because of that. Yep. Yep. So maybe yeah. it's they saw one thing, realized that they could carry it through, found, oh, this apartment happens to be cheap and we can get a killer angle from this one when they're sliding her across that glass. Mm -hmm. And mm. then they just found a way to carry it all the way through. Filming yeah. is chaos. It is a okay. completely primordial soup. Because it's just too coincidental as I'm racking it up. It, yeah. it really is. It's way too much visual. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes those things are really uh, carried through movies. And they can. I'm just thinking, you. It became for you in your circumstance a trademark, so to speak. And I'm thinking that they use that visual on a subconscious level. Ooh. Actually, something else that I really like now that you're bringing up like artistic things of it um, and they didn't do this in the new one, but they did it in the original one. They used what I call the exorcist effect, mm -hmm. which um, is when they take stills from other parts of the movie and they flash them in there. Like with um, in <laughs> the exorcist, when she's being possessed, there's flashes of the devil where they do like three or four frames where they overlay the devil on the door and such. And in the original one, they would overlay the shots of the candy man with the mouth that she walks through or of his eyes and things like that, especially when she was in one of those trances that she may or may not have been the candy man. They didn't do that in the new one, as far as I noticed. No, yeah. they didn't. I love that stuff. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Kind of like uh, when Tyler Durden puts the uh, nudie photos in the, middle of the movie and Facebook and not in Facebook and fight club. Yeah. We just place the film. In. <laughs> they don't know they saw it, but they know they saw it. How do people? Yep, do 100%. <laughs> well, it's a double question. The thing about the human mind is that you will often convince yourself that what you saw was not real and forget it. Also, you might just forget it without even thinking about it. Mm. Uh, forget about it. But you definitely saw it. Definitely it so. was there, like the butterfly. That's the only way to make Schindler's List erotic. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Oh, okay. Wait, I wanna, I wanna finish on this. Schindler's um, Fist. Because... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because, because we've been talking for about an hour, so we we should wrap this one up. But uh, you owe wanna... me one more Candyman. Oh, what do you mean? As you said it at least four times, right? Oh fuck no! Um, so <laughs> while my sister, 
Wild okay, so now, okay, here. so hold on, let me get a hook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the wrong color. So while my sister was out here, because she came out for Christmas, we went to a deli. We went to a Jewish deli because we love Jewish sandwiches. Yummy. So as we walked into the Jewish deli, we're in Los Angeles. So in Los Angeles, you have to show your vaccination card. Mm -hmm. So we go, we sit down, we order our food and everything. And I look at my sister. I'm like, has the irony worn off on you yet or dawned on you yet that we just went into a Jewish deli and they asked us for our papers? Yeah, I've heard that one. That's <laughs> wow, <laughs> right? I could not like like right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, oh wait, note. I'm dead. <laughs> really got me. You're not wrong. There, there is a heavy duty irony for that. Yep. Well. That's pretty much all we have to say about the Candyman today. Here's your number five. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to our podcast because we desperately, desperately need likes. Say our name. Say our name. And in the meantime, keep those screams loud, happy, and sweet. Say my name. Say my name. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.